0: It's the Happy Families Podcast. It's the podcast for the time-poor parent who just wants answers
1: now. I just love books and I'm so excited for today's podcast episode, Kylie. Once a month or thereabouts, we do book club. It's completely unrelated to parenting. We just talk about the books that we've been reading because we love to read and try to share some tips and hints and ideas, for books that people might like. And with Christmas around the corner. We thought this might be a good stocking filler episode if you're thinking about books. So this episode of the podcast, we are going to review our favourite books of the year. Do you have any idea how many books you've read this year? Do you keep a close enough record to know?
0: I uh, Look, I've been really good in the past, but this year I will 100% admit I have really, really been quite sloppy with my records, firstly, and secondly... Imagine
1: not keeping a record of all the books you read. Who, who does that? <laughs>
0: but secondly, I've just i You talked about this pretty openly before. I call it a love-hate relationship with books, but I have to have the headspace to be able to read. And because of the challenges that our families experience this year, I've really struggled to get into books, especially in the last half of the year. So my list is very, very short this year.
1: Well, I was on track for uh, 45 or so, which is what I usually do, somewhere between 40 and 45. But obviously the events of the last couple of months have meant that I've landed around about 35 this year. Which...
0: Yeah, I'm sitting I'm sitting
1: On about 24. Mm. Oh, oh, so you you know approximately? Yeah. Yeah, So it's still a lot of reading. And the great thing is, we've both read some books that are definitely worth sharing. Um, How many do you want to share today? I'm just
0: going to talk about three.
1: Okay, go for it because I have approximately (laughs) 14. Give or take.
0: <laughs> so I'm not suggesting that these go in any order. I'm just going to share the three favourite books of my year. Yeah, go. The first one was called The 100 Years of Lenny and Margot.
1: I remember you talking about this. I I, I think I need this on my pile. I think it's a, a real tearjerker, right?
0: It really is. But it was such a beautiful book. It was written by Marianne Cronin, and it's a story about a 17 year old who's got a terminal illness, and she's in hospital, and she becomes friends with an 8 Year old. And so between the two of them, they make up 100 years of life. And it's just a beautiful depiction of working through that process and dealing with just the insurmountable challenge of knowing that life will end mm. way sooner than it should. So that was that was absolutely. You definitely need tissues, and you need to be in the right headspace to get through it. But it was the most beautiful book. Yeah, I think I've read was, this year.
1: Beautiful was the word I was going to use. It sounds gorgeous. So what was yeah. it called again? It
0: Was called the One Hundred Years of Lenny and Margot. Okay, it's about friendship. You know, this eighty-three-year-old becomes best friends with a seventeen-year-old, and they share. They just they share a special bond. So loved
1: that one. What's your next one?
0: My next one is Homecoming. Complete and utter opposite ends of. The the scales. This was actually a murder mystery. Oh, this
1: was the true crime one you told me about. Well, it's not
0: true crime. Oh. I thought it was. I was so I was so caught up in it, and I was googling to find out <laughs> right. all kinds of things. But no, it is a novel, Homecoming by Kate Morton. It definitely had a slow start. I did not think this would make my top three this year, but. By the end of it, I was riveted. I actually lent it to my dad and he said exactly the same thing. You're right. It took him a little bit to get into it, but once he was in, he was
1: hooked. Okay. Absolutely hooked. Is so, he finished with it? Have we got it back? Maybe I can make that some Christmas reading for me.
0: No, it's still on his bedside table. I actually had to ring him and say, can you remind me who, <laughs> who wrote
1: it? Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> so that was brilliant. It's actually set in South Australia. She did an awesome job. It'll leave you guessing until the very end. Wow. And my last one's actually my most recent read. It's called Better Than Happy. It's by Jodie Moore. This has a very strong religious undertone to it, but it is in that self-help genre. Mm. And I found that just so enlightening. I've actually started reading it with our 13-year-old. For those who kind of have dabbled in the self-help area and know about the thought model, the idea of recognizing that our results in life are a direct result of our own personal thoughts this was really powerful at kind of just working through that process and recognizing and seeing the power of our thoughts and how if we can shift those thoughts it actually shifts our actions which shifts our results so that was really powerful and I loved it
1: Okay. They sound really, really great. Would you like to hear mine?
0: I'm a bit nervous because I (laughs) think I'm going to be talked at for quite a while, but tell me.
1: I'm going to try and be really fast about this. Okay. So uh, basically I'll tell you, I'm only going to tell you my five-star reads. Okay, only my five-star reads. Like I said, I've read about 35 books this year. I have 12 five-star reads.
0: Okay, we're not doing 12.
1: <laughs> we're go, not doing 12. I'm just going to say them real fast. have 5. Oh, that's so unfair. You I, have 5. Well, I don't know if we're going to keep a really accurate count here. So the first one that I mentioned is from the 1800s. So I've got a really eclectic top 12 to go through today. Um, from the 1800s, there's a, a, a classic author by the name of George Eliot. George Eliot is a pseudonym, uh, but the author wrote this book called Silas Marner, written in 1861, and this was a novel. I don't read many novels, hard to get into because it was written in 1861, so the writing style is really different, but it was, I think, the perfect story, literally the perfect story. It was beautiful. Uh, it's about a, uh, a falsely accused weaver who leaves his town and becomes a recluse following this horrible incident. Sublimely written, utterly absorbing. I fell in love with Silas Minor. It is gorgeous. I've got goosebumps all over my arms and legs while I'm talking about it because it was. I almost want to cry. It was. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, the second one that I want to talk about is so far removed from that that it's incredible. Uh, it's a book by Louise Perry. This one would appeal to anyone who likes provocation, and it's called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. Perry takes on a whole lot of and slays a whole lot of sacred cows with just precision, arguing that the sexual revolution, rather than improving life for women and enhancing their protection, has done precisely the opposite. Now, she doesn't deny that a lot of good has come from it, but she makes this really articulate argument that um, the norms and mores or mores that have developed out of it place women right where men actually want them to be. And she argues that modern standards around sex and intimacy and so on actually make life worse for women, not better for women. It's a fascinating read. You won't agree with everything, no matter what position you are, whether you're conservative or liberal, whether you're, uh, it doesn't really matter what your politics are. There's going to be something in there that you will love and something in there that you will hate, but it's a really, really provocative book. Well, you might not be keeping tabs
0: but i am what's number three well, i
1: can't believe you're counting uh, my third one i'm going to save this one really quickly it's called testosterone by carol hooven um an endocrinologist i think at harvard from memory simply brilliant and left me feeling entirely inadequate in terms of my understanding and my comprehension and my knowledge like this was just a heavy academic read about testosterone and the endocrine system and it was just so incredibly good so that's a very quick review. Testosterone. Four. Amazing. Um, I'm going to go for another novel. Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone by Benjamin Stevens. Brilliant, original, completely compelling Australian crime fiction that doesn't feel like crime or fiction. Just so. Good, so well written, uh, a real murder mystery with plot twists and you, a, a, a classic who done it. Really, really enjoyed Benjamin Stevens. Everyone in my family has killed someone. To me, that is the perfect summer read. If you just want to veg out and and enjoy a rip roaring read, um, look. I'm not going to mention The Whole Brain Child by Dan Siegel, not because because it's an older book and a lot of people have already read it. But if you haven't read it, <laughs> five stars, definitely worth looking at. I, I love how you're not mentioning it. I, I'm also not going to mention. (laughs) I'm not going to mention Saving Our Kids by Madonna King, which may be the best book that I've ever read from Madonna King, uh, vitally important content, so well written all about what's going on on the internet and how to keep our kids safe.
0: What was that name again?
1: Madonna King, Saving Our Kids, but I'm not going to mention it uh, as much as I should because Madonna is wonderful. Um, Also not going to mention Gene Twangy and Generations, which is one of the most important books that I've ever read on the Generations and really made me rethink my thinking on the science of Generations, which I tend to think is a load of bulldust. But I really got into this book and found it compelling, very, very good.
0: Is there any other books you're not going to mention?
1: Uh, There's one more book that I'm not going to mention and then I'm going to wrap up with two instead of one to finish off, okay? So I'm not going to mention Anand Gerard. I can't say his name. I'm so sorry. Gerardaradas, I think it is. Uh, This guy's a former McKinsey consultant who's spoken and studied with the elite crew at TED and the the Aspen elite. Uh, And it's a blistering critique of how the elite make sure that winners take all while making sure that their philanthropy looks like they're being generous, even while they're lining their own pockets and making sure that they're in a very good position. Hard to read, very challenging with its views. Brilliant book that I'm not going to talk about. Gosh, see, this is the thing. Try to squeeze too much in. Let me just wrap up with the two that matter. The two that matter. Yeah, other than a whole lot of others that I want to mention that I can't, okay? Because I love Guns, Germs and Steel by Jared Diamond.
0: Stop. And,
1: and I thought that
0: Stop
1: by Cassie Holm was great. But the two that I want to mention just quickly, uh, a year or two ago, you read Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. This is a book about uh, female anatomy and pleasure and a whole lot of things in that area. And Kylie, you told me that I would – enjoy reading it. And I did. I think it was a five-star read. And I think that every man should read the book, even though it's been written for women. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. She's got a great writing style and she gives people information that matters. Emily Nagoski, come as you are, five stars. And I'll wrap up with The Emotional Lives of Teenagers by Dr. Lisa Dumont, which I also absolutely loved. Solid book, covers a lot of ground, really easy to read. And if you've got teenagers who have big emotions, I think you'll get heaps out of it. So they're my top five.
0: Wow. (laughs) Well, if you're looking for a bookworm this Christmas, hopefully you might find some inspiration in that list of five not
1: books. If there is not a book for somebody who is fussy about reading in there, then we just there's nothing for you. They're not
0: a bookworm. (laughs) They're just not a bookworm.
1: We will link to every single one of those books in our show notes so that you can have a look at them a little bit more closely because we have gone through it very quickly. But we just wanted to give you some ideas because reading is great. Um, My pile for summer and into next year is phenomenal, uh, overwhelming. And I've also got about six textbooks.
0: Well, we haven't even hit Christmas yet. Got I don't I wanna know what that's gonna look I like once wait. you open all your presents.
1: My bedside table has like, f- <laughs> what, what, 40 books on it right now that I'm supposed to read in the next four weeks.
0: You know, if you have a bedside table solution for the bookworm who has too many <laughs> books, I would love you to send it through because I can't tell you how frustrating it is to try and vacuum the floor around your bedside table.
1: So many books, so many books. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We hope that you've uh, enjoyed as we've indulged ourselves and shared the books that have meant the most to us this year. Uh, if you l- would like more information, like I said, the show notes have got it all. The Happy Families podcast is produced by Justin Roland for Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. More information is available about making your family happier at happyfamilies.com.au. Become a member today and... Get ready for what will be the most amazing membership experience you've ever had. A customized program to make your family happier starts next year in the Happy Families Membership.